So hello, folks, and welcome to yet another episode from the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales forwards in the Sales Chat Show studio. As always, the Sales Chat Show posse, Graham Jones, Phil Jessen, and I'm Simon Hazeldean. And this episode is entitled, Why It's a Bad Idea to abandon social distancing as a salesperson if you want to get up close and personal with your customers. So what on earth does that mean? Well, fascinating research back in the day. I mean, I think the latest research this gentleman published was around uh, 1998, was a researcher called Edward Hall who coined the phrase proxemics. This is a a subcategory of the study of nonverbal behavior. But Hall's research showed that humans and indeed other animals, we all need a certain amount of space to feel safe. Um, so this is about how close we can get to each other without somebody feeling uncomfortable. So if you violate someone's socially acceptable space, for example, by sitting or standing too close to them, you trigger a bit of a, a negative emotional reaction. And uh, Hall defined some some different um, distances in his original research from sort of public distance, social distance, personal distance, and an intimate distance for interactions with very, very close family, for example, very close friends. But Graham has come across a fascinating piece of research that's been conducted very recently into this topic. And as we thought, we've all been being encouraged to be kind of two meters or six feet apart from each other due to the covid um restrictions in in many countries but yet we're often told that we need to get close to our customers of course people don't mean enough necessarily in a physical sense we thought now would be a good time to get mr jones to give us the lowdown on how up close and personal or not should we be getting with our customers? Mr. Jones, over to you for your pithy summary of the research. Okay. Come closer. Come come closer. <laughs> come on. Go closer. I've got a secret to tell you. Oh, 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 it's it's enticing. Yeah. It's come enticing, yeah. my dear readers. The, listeners, the, sorry. Listeners, the I called secret you readers. is yeah. that what salespeople have been told for a long, long time is not true. Oh, no. Getting close to your customers is a bad idea. Um, the rock band The Police uh, had that famous line, don't stand so close to me. Uh, and yet salespeople are taught to stand close to their customers. Indeed, there are training courses with body language and everything else uh, telling people that to stand relatively close to their customers. Um, so not just to get close to them psychologically and understand the customers but also to get close to them physically and I have to tell you that that research uh, the research tells us that that kind of theory that's often taught on training courses for salespeople is wrong uh, the evidence as Simon said uh, from Hall's original research that he did about 25 years of research on this showed us that actually the proximity we have to people is dependent upon the people they are and actually, we don't know the salesperson if we're a customer. Uh, you don't know the customer, so you're expected to stand further apart. Now, 
what this new research shows us adds to that research uh, that Simon uh, wrote about in his book where he mentioned Hall. You did write about it in your book, didn't you, Simon? Did, I, I, did, I, did I maybe mention it in my book, Neurocell, How yeah, Neuroscience I, yeah. Can Power Your Cells? Success so, available from all good booksellers and indeed some awful booksellers <laughs> as, as well. So apologies for the shameless, for the shameless <laughs> plug. But, of my of my book, did you didn't mention it in your book, Sales Science, though, did you? I didn't Mr. mention Jones. it in there, no. A no so never mind. No, no good. Um, did you mention it in? No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll stop plugging our books, or else we're going to be so, listeners turning off in their droves. <laughs> so what this new research shows us is that in the times of social distancing, for example, you probably think you've had to stand further away from people than you're comfortable with. So uh, we've been asked to stand six feet or two metres apart from other people in order to prevent the spread of coronavirus. And that sometimes feels quite a long way away. What Hall's research did was show us that in a variation from two to eight feet, that you know, once you get eight feet away, you seem to be a long way away from the other person. But what this new research did was look at sales customer purchases that happened depending upon people being four to 12 feet away and this so was if, in a re sort of retail environment this is in a retail right? environment yep. okay but it tells us something that's worthwhile considering mm. that the retail the salesperson in the retail outlet is trying to sell something to the customer and what the customers did was the further away they were from the salesperson the more they purchased. So it goes beyond Hall's research and shows us that actually the greater purchases happened when the salesperson was 12 feet away. That's twice the social distancing measure that we've been asked to do as a result of um, COVID. So this goes against uh, much logic. It goes against much what we um, have been taught in sales to get close to people. This shows that if you're 12 feet away in retail, you are going to get more sales than if you're four feet away. So four feet away, relatively close. Eight feet away was where we thought things were with Hall's research. This has taken it beyond that. And it shows quite clearly the closer you are to the, sale, to the customer, the less they buy. So if you want them to buy more, you need to be a good 10 to 12 feet away from them. Which is two to three, three. Uh, it's approximately three, three meters, meters yeah. for our, our listeners. In so uh, greater than the social distancing distance that we've been asked to do for the last eighteen months as a result of COVID. Did, did the most? Of, sorry, go on, Phil. Go on. If, if you think of a non-retail environment for a moment, I think what that also suggests is that when you go into the customer's office, if you see that the chair on the other side of the customer's desk, i.e. your side, if you see that the chair has been deliberately placed by the customer to be three to four feet away from his or her desk, you don't sit down on it and get closer to the desk. You recognise that the customer has, for whatever reason, positioned that chair in the place that they think is the right position. Yeah. And also, I I, I've seen situations where people have, you know, the chair's been opposite on the other side of the, mm. the 
boardroom table, for example, and they've picked it up and they moved it around to sit next to almost, yeah. you know, 40, 90 degrees, 45 degrees to the other person because yeah. they think that will bring them closer together. Actually, what you're doing is reducing the likelihood of sales because you're impinging upon that person's psychological space. And what this study showed was that the degree of psychological discomfort increases. And so as psychological discomfort increases, purchasing goes down. And yeah. so what you don't want to do in that boardroom style sales situation is think I've got to get closer to them to increase sales. Actually, they're less likely to buy. Yeah. Well, in the, in the research that has taken place, have there been any major cultural differences? I'm not just talking about countries, uh, but also in the UK, as the three of us know all too well, in the north of the UK, people are generally more friendly and welcoming than they are in the south around London. So uh, would that also apply, do you think, to the friendly north as opposed to the rather cold south? Yeah, I mean, each um, culture, and by culture I don't mean country, I mean, you know, the, the social environment in which you, you, you exist. So the social environment in, say, as you say, the, the northwest of England or the northeast of England, People, I would imagine if we measured the distance between people, they would be slightly closer together than people in central London um, because of that, that culture, that environment in which people exist. This research was done in three countries, the United States, uh, Sweden and Norway. Uh, so two Scandinavian countries and America. There will be some slight differences between those, those countries. Interestingly, they also allowed for gender there was no gender difference in the four experiments that they did. So it's not explained by gender. It's explained by simple psychological discomfort. Whatever gender we are, we are more uncomfortable, closer to people we don't know. And we are more likely to buy when we're further away from people we don't know. Okay. Uh, so there will be some cultural things. Different countries, different nations will have different social distance, proximity to each other. Um, and within countries, there'll be variation as well. And the the reason for the increased decrease in sales was very similar to Hall's original thing yeah. about kind of an adverse sort of psychological reaction feels yeah. feels threatening, feels uncomfortable. Yeah. So kind of back back backed up that that original yeah. thought. It's basic um, survival instinct kicking in. Yeah. We don't know, you know, our brain is constantly working out, is this a threat to us? Uh, because it wants to help us survive the whole time. Mm. So if we don't know that person and they're close to us, we perceive them as a greater threat than if they're further away. If they're further away, they can't reach us to hit us, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not that a salesperson would want to, but you get my point that uh, if they're that far away, they can't actually physically connect with us and therefore we see them as less of a threat. So this, you're, it's... A subconscious part of your brain that is a survival instinct determining is that individual a threat to you further away the less likely of a threat they are therefore the more comfortable you are with them it's fascinating i, I mean i'm i'm <clears throat> i'm speculating wildly now you know without any without necessarily any any research or data but people don't like the archetypal pushy salesperson so i do wonder whether the if you get too close 
you might inadvertently be seen as almost a bit of a threat, a bit pushy, you know, yep. you're going to make somebody false. Whereas at a distance, you maybe feel like you've got more control over, over what's, over what's going on. It just, it just made me think of that 1970s pushy, aggressive style of sales. Whereas, which would sort of sort of involve them being closer is how it felt to me rather than respectful distance, allowing the customer metaphorically and literally the space to make up their mind without pressure from a salesperson. And then, Hey, guess what? They buy more, you know, yeah, cause they're you know, the, the pushy salesperson, even if they're not physically close, <laughs> but the pushy salesperson is giving you no room for escape. Yeah. And so that's yeah. a threat. You know, they're, they're constantly coming at you with, yeah. you know, if you don't buy it now, uh, the price will go up. They're all these kind of, you know, so-called sales techniques, which are complete garbage, but they, they're these kind of pressures to buy. And we feel there is no escape. And when we feel there is no escape, that's a threat to us. So if you think about it in terms of distance, if the person is six feet away from us it's more difficult for us to walk past them get yeah. past them avoid them than somebody who's 12 feet away so the fact they're 12 feet away means that we perceive there is a route of escape if we feel under pressure yeah and therefore we perceive them as less threatening to us therefore we're more happy to buy from them because kind of interesting is it the the thing you see quite a lot when you're in a retail establishment is as you walk in Quite often, a salesperson will walk up and say, hello, can I help you? And invariably, I will say, no, thanks, just looking, which I think lots of people do. Whereas other people will say, hi, um, my name's Simon. Um, if any you need any help at any stage, just, just let me know. I walk off. Um, they make contact and acknowledge, but that sometimes that hello, can I help you, is in, I interpret it as how quickly can I get you to spend your money, you know? So but also, hello, can I help you, Is means they're poorly trained because, first of all, that's a closed question, so the answer to that is <laughs> no, you can't help me. And so they're stuck at that point. So, you know, it ought to be what can I help you with mm. uh, as opposed to can I help you. Um, and also they should allow the customer to feel comfortable in the environment first. Yes, absolutely. So there are lots of reasons why that's bad sales personship um yeah. but whereas as you say the customer who says hello my name's graham i'm here if you need my help is less of a threat to us yeah. and therefore we're much more likely to seek their help it's, it's also got me thinking about um companies that sell from exhibition stands because if yeah. you think about the typical exhibition stand that is probably on a six inch riser uh, one of the uh, the things that salespeople are trained to do, maybe sadly and badly, bearing in mind what Graham's saying, is that they are trained to get the passerby onto the exhibition stand. And many of them will dismiss people who are off the exhibition stand, making a few casual inquiries. But of course, what uh, what Graham's research suggests is that it might be folly to spend time saying, come on board. And there might be a lot of value to be had in talking to somebody that deliberately is standing eight to 10 feet away and as yet is making the decision yeah. not to move on to that exhibition stand. It doesn't, you, mean, it doesn't mean that they are disinterested. 
Yeah, when you look at exhibitions generally, uh, they are poorly designed and poorly set up for sales um, because you've got these, you know, great long corridors of, you know, six meter stands, you know, 18 feet wide or whatever stands uh, with just a few people in there and they all want you to come into the stand. So you've got to be too close to the people you don't know. So in fact, what you see is most stands and most exhibitions have very few people with them. Lots of people walking up and down, picking up leaflets because they don't want to engage with the people in the stand because it's a threat. The stands that are successful are the massive big stands that are wide open. And so they will have maybe like an office bit in the middle, but lots of seating, lots of gaps, lots of space, and they're very busy. And so the exhibitors do very well because the big businesses pay for those big stands. The small businesses who pay for the smaller stands go one year, say, well, it didn't work for me and don't go. And then next year, the sales pay, the salespeople for the exhibition have to try and sell more of those little stands. They would, everybody would sell more if we abandoned all those little stands and it was all wide open. Uh, the exhibition industry would find them it much easier to sell because the people then would be gaining more because they've got wide open stands with space. People would be further apart. They would all feel much more comfortable. Looks like I'm collecting two pieces of research and there may not be a connection between them. But the, the, the comment about the retail people wanting to leave the customer to feel safe and have a look around, in inverted commas, and the research was five or six years ago. I think it was CEB, B2B buyers, 57% of the way through their buying process. They're doing their research before they want to talk to a salesperson. So it may be very similar in a retail environment, similar in a trade show environment. The customer is in researching possible solutions, etc. Now, of course, we all know we want to enter into their buying process as soon as we can to be influencing it. But you want to be entering their buying process when they are comfortable for you to be joining them yep. in their buying process. And I think as counterintuitive as it might sound, the softer we are, the more likely we are to be invited in, I think, to that yep. to that buy for a for a genuinely just a chat to chat about some options to sew a leaflet on the stand. It gives them something to look at, to research, et cetera. And then you can smile, make eye contact. And that that's probably enough, right? Just to invite them to, or let me know if there's anything, you've got any questions, do let me know or anything. You'd, and they keep it nice and soft. But my, by the way, just on my personal bugbear about trade shows, they are a sales opportunity. And please don't allow your sales teams to stand at the back of the stand on their phone answering their email or looking at their social media so you do you do need you mean to be they should aware. be at the front of the stand <laughs> well that. they just need to just be able to see the customers might be genuinely possibly looking to have a conversation you don't really sell a whole lot at a trade show on your phone answering your emails well no. you may you may very well be selling on your phone but but your job is to be at the trade show right it costs an awful lot of money to be yeah. there so you want to really make sure you're, you're putting your best foot forward of being professional friendly open and welcoming to so one thing you could do of course is if you are a salesperson and you've got somebody on coming on to the stand who seems interested is you could suggest you just walk around the corner to a piece of open space have a coffee mm. whatever where you can keep your distance whereas you bring them onto the stand you're increasing the uh, you're decreasing the distance between you and them and they're less likely to be interested in you because they'll see you as a threat 
Actually, I do. I do have a technique that worked extremely well for me when I was working in fast-moving consumer goods. When we were at distributors' trade shows, where they would always, I, I was representing the brand, the beer brand, Stella Artois. So we would have free Stella Artois on tap on the. But our problem was getting customers to go away from the stand because they would more want to stay there. So um, I'm not sure that's applicable to anybody outside the drinks industry. But just thought I'd share that as a bit of a Simon. A Simon but, top tip. But the crucial question is, how much did they buy? <laughs> well, they many of them were existing customers, so I suppose yeah, we had so... to, you know, probably not your best idea, but you try getting rid of somebody when they've had seven or eight glasses of Stella Artois from your trade show stand. So that, that other beers a... are available. <laughs> other beers, other beers are of course are of course available. So, uh, but there you go. different time, different time, different industry. Uh, so, Graham, any other any other thoughts to share from well, the, the research or, or your your commentary on it? The one thing I would always say is that this is scientific research that was conducted um, across different situations. It backs up that original research that yeah. started in the 1960s that Hall did, that Simon mentioned. So we've got over 50 years of research on this. Um, and it tells us quite clearly that being further apart from people leads to greater sales. Yeah, That is the complete reverse of what people are taught on sales training courses. Yeah. So one of the things that's always important is look at what the evidence tells us rather than some kind of sales trainer who thinks it would be a good idea if you were close to each other and can play some kind of game in your training course. A lot of what salespeople are taught is not supported by the evidence. Yeah, excellent. So the... Uh... The song by the police, Don't Stand So Close to Me, is the song for salespeople to yep. think. Could I just say, Graham, by the way, your musical taste seems to have improved dramatically over the last few episodes, where previously you were telling us how great steps were. Uh, at least now you've moved on to the police. I think there is hope for your for your musical yeah, well, taste. It, as it we, may or it may as not be, because I do, do recall uh, fairly recently, I think it was you who posted the top, 23 punk songs i did i did yes. yes and of those 23 i have to tell you that two of them were brought to the public attention by me by mr graham jones i was yeah. the pr man in the record company that brought you those two so i'm responsible for 10 percent of the, the world's top punk songs. so well, one of them was sham 69 what was the other one Susie and the banshees so when did it all start to go wrong for you after that? When did your musical taste start to suddenly <laughs> disappear through the floor in the direction of singing? I, I think it's when he. I think it's when he signed Jimmy Osmond. <laughs> no, they were the Osmonds were a different record company, I'm afraid. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Jesson, other than other than um, ridiculing Mr. Jones's musical taste, do you have anything else to offer? Uh, no, no, no other than just to reinforce the point that although the research may be retail orientated, of course, many of our listeners yeah. will not be from that sector and they will be entering factories or offices or yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just to be very mindful of how the customer or the prospect wants to arrange the seating plan. And if the customer decides to take us into the boardroom, for example, if they've got a 
a, a notepad down one end of the table and they've positioned a cup of coffee for us eight feet away, 10 feet away, then don't move it and move closer to the customer. It's there for the reasons that Graham has already outlined. Perfect. I mean, I think with all of these things, folks, a learning orientation in sales is always a great thing. Yeah, you say, okay, this is retail research and I I, I work in B2B or in another episode, you might be in retail and say, well, that's B2B. What we'd always encourage you from the sales chat show is to, to listen to what it is and then say, okay, how might I be able to adapt this and apply this to my particular environment that I'm selling in, whether you're selling over the telephone or virtually or face-to-face or retail, sales to a certain degree is sales and human beings are definitely, you know, there's a lot of similarities and it's a buying environment, a retail buying environment or a business buying environment. So I think, you know, consider it, open mind and then adapt and apply and see see how it works. It's absolutely. So yeah, and Graham's point as well, I think always um, let's go with the evidence, folks. Right? If well, let's find the let's find the research and the data to back up some of these things, I think is always a great, great, great thing to have with customers. Right? Make sure you got your data and evidence to back up what you're saying. So that's another little little tip there uh, as a bonus. <clears throat> so thank you very much, Mr. Jones, for showing up, Mr. Jesson. Thank you for your comments. So, folks, this has been the Sales Chat Show. There are about two hundred plus episodes now in our back catalogue. They're all available at the Sales Chat Show website, saleschatshow.com, or from wherever you choose to gain your uh, podcast from, you'll be able to subscribe to the Sales Chat Show and get notified of new episodes as they come out on a regular basis. In the meantime, with the, um, the song Don't Stand So Close to Me going to be reverberating around my head now for the rest of the day. Thanks for that, Graham. Um, We just want to wish you good luck and good selling, folks.